1: Hello, and welcome to the Wealth Stream podcast with Tim Scannell. Today, we are going to be doing part two of a podcast that we began last time of looking downstream. Tim, what is the stream? If we're looking downstream, what is the stream?
2: Um, I consider the stream to be your future finances, which includes your business, your family, your personal finances, and how we integrate all those things into the planning process to come up with one comprehensive plan for you long term. Fantastic. So
1: you mentioned business. How does that fit into it?
2: Uh, Well, when planning with business owners and entrepreneurs, I get the greatest satisfaction from helping them prepare to exit and transition their business, protecting the wealth that's generated from those businesses, and hopefully helping them to get the greatest return on their life during retirement um, and as they pass the wealth to future generations and some of their favorite charities. I love it because... You know, every plan I work with, every client I work with is very different. It's very unique. Uh, Everything gets very personal. And I don't have any two clients that are the same. And I really, I get to connect with them um, and I really get to connect with their families, which I really love.
1: Fantastic. There's got to be so many varieties. I mean, just big businesses, small businesses, large families, small families. uh, It keeps
2: you hopping, I'm sure. It, it does. And that's what I love about it. It's, uh, everyone's different. There is no size nine shoe, you know, for <laughs> that I apply to everybody. So yeah, good. Cause that, um, that could hurt. Cause I wear size 13. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you an example right now. We're working with a company and primarily working right now with the management team that is looking to buy a family owned business. It's a situation where I really believe the founders and the family, as well as the management team will all be better off if, the team is able to be the successor owner, and it's it's a truly a win win situation. Um, you know if we can help make it happen, and we've literally spent the last twenty months helping the helping these key employees as management team initially evaluate, you know the skills they have, the skills they need on their team to make this happen. You know a lot of times what I find is business owners have a team of CPAs, attorneys, other advisors, but. The management teams themselves really haven't formed one. So in this case, we kind of started creating from scratch. And so we helped them build the team. We also helped them build their processes internally. So, you know, this example, this this business, in order to really look forward and hopefully uh, make the sale occur, you need to have independent, either compilated or audited statements. So they started that process, which they hadn't really done in the past. And, you know, they also... I had a lot of personal items because it was a family business, you know, so we tried to help them remove some of those personal items from the business and the accounting and the reporting just so that it looks more like a business for any potential or future buyer or partner.
1: So when when you Uh, say, sorry, Tim, I didn't mean to interrupt, but when when you say personal items, what do you mean?
2: Well, a lot of times when you look at the profit and loss statement, you'll see maybe they have a car that they're running through the business or sometimes they might be taking trips, you know, that – Aren't necessarily 100% business related. Um, it. And it's good for the owners because a lot of times in the short run, it lowers profits, lowers taxable profits. But in the long run, to get the highest, highest multiples on a sale, you really need to show them more profit. Mm. So it's just a different mindset okay. that we try to help people look at. And, and these are a lot of the things we talked about in the last podcast where we, you know, initially we looked to help. People evaluate their skill sets they have, what they don't have, find those skills and build a team, Mm -hmm. gather a lot of research. And, you know, again, those are the kinds of things that just uh, get me excited. That's what I love to do. And when I'm not working, uh, one of my favorite hobbies is fly fishing. And there's a lot of similar analogies in the sense that, you know, before I walk to the river, before I even, you know, leave the room when I'm doing my planning to go on a fishing trip, I evaluate my skills for the specific trip, where I'm going, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I, I then try to identify who I should be talking to, like my friends who maybe have fished there before, contact some local guides, fishing, you know, fishing, um, fly fishing shop employees, and just try to do a lot of research. Uh, you know, one of my favorite examples is I, I went on a trip, this is probably six, seven years ago, to a place called Brush Creek Ranch, and it's in on the Platte River in in the state of Wyoming. And I had never fished in Wyoming. I had never fished in the Platte River. It's a pretty unique river. And it was just so great talking to this guide before we even left the fishing shop where you know he's just so passionate. He's a he just loves the fish, loves to talk about fish, you know, so do I. So he's explaining the river ecosystem and you know all the different different predators that fish out in Wyoming and on this river face that maybe they don't in Colorado talking about weather, temperature, barometric pressure you know, whether it's sunny or cloudy. So he really prepped me for the things I wasn't aware of before we ever even walked out the door.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I can imagine that it would be a, it could be a huge waste of time and resources, finances, just to fly to Wyoming, show up at a river and start chucking stuff in there uh, without doing any of that.
2: Exactly. You really have to be prepared when you get on the river because, and when you start the process of succession planning, Because, you know, you have to have the tools you need and be ready to adapt, you Mm -hmm. know, to make changes as you're going. And, you know, before I get into that step two, which is, you know, after you've done your planning and you're ready to really start the process of the exit planning, I wanted to kind of address the concept of looking downstream. We talked a little bit about stream. So looking downstream as it relates to fishing is really, you know, doing your planning, looking forward, looking at the different spots in the river where the bends are, You know where the entry points are where you can get into the river, where the rocks and other things that are protecting the fish and predators are because that's probably where they're hiding. Mm -hmm. But it also reflects my thought that if I'm in the river, I really want to protect that river and those fish for future generations of people who would be walking behind me fishing. Um, I want to, in essence, be a caretaker. So things like making sure we're catching them and then releasing them the fish, uh, making sure that we're using equipment like hooks that aren't necessarily going to harm the fish when you are releasing them. You know, as it relates to business, when I think of looking downstream, I really think of like in the book e they talk about business owners oftentimes spend a lot of time and energy and resources working in the business on a day-to-day basis, which makes all the sense in the world. Mm-hmm. But we try to help clients take a step back and budget or allocate time and resources to working on the business and looking into the future and thinking about where that business is going and is the business prepared for an exit down the road? Gotcha. You know, specifically management succession, the client's exit, converting the capital to get the greatest return on life and things like that.
1: Okay, so you mentioned entering the river. What does that represent?
2: Well, entering the river, you know, when, I'm, when I am fishing, You really have to strategically decide where you're going to enter in order to where you think the fish will be, where you think you have the greatest opportunity of finding them, but also where you're not going to be uh, setting off alarms by making too much noise and things like that. When I think of entering the river uh, from a business perspective, it's really after you've done all this planning regarding your business and you've put your business in shape with the proper team and the proper processes to get ready to go – who are you going to talk to? What markets are you going to approach? Who's the best buyers? Uh, are the things like investment bankers or private equity? You know, where are you going to get the best opportunity to meet that buyer or put together a deal that will maximize the value to you and your family?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, I, I kind of envision entering the entering that stream or entering the river, uh, choosing an appropriate place. When you're talking business, if you if you're choosing something that's a part of the river that's too stagnant, then it's just not going to be a good returns for you. But if you enter your business into an area that are more like rapids, you can get knocked down. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it seems to me that really finding and, 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 entering the river at the, at the perfect spot for you and the size of your team. Cause it, I mean, you could have, you know, 10 or 20 or two, um, that, that seems like a, a huge variety there.
2: Yeah. And I think if you ever stood alongside of a river and just watched somebody fly fish, what you'd find is that they're picking spots to enter. They're going in, but oftentimes they're then exiting or moving down, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just kind of reacting and changing on the fly based on conditions because the second part of it is the whole planning process is once you have a plan and you've identified you know, where your market is or where you're going to enter the river – you need to be really uh, very prepared to adjust on the fly.
1: Yeah.
2: I sit in my office, we sit with our teams, we put together plans, but it, they never really go as you think. You know, just an example, I, one of the places I love to fish is up in Canada, and I've taken maybe eight to 10 trips with the same group of people, and we usually fly to Winnipeg, and then the next morning we'll fly two to three hours north. We land on a gravel runway, pretty far north into Canada, then we take a float plane and then all of a sudden you get to this outpost camp and you literally just have what you carried. Uh, There's no Walmarts nearby. If you forgot something, you can't go back and get it. So it requires a lot of thought up front and you have to bring a lot of different tools to be ready. And when you get to the airport initially, they limit you to 50 pounds of, of luggage. So, I mean, you really have to decide what's important and what's not. And this year for the first time, we went pretty early and man, we got some really cold weather. It was in the 35 to 40 degrees, uh, high winds, wow. uh, high waves and sideways. Sounds, rain. And sounds other, a little brutal. <laughs> <laughs> actually, if you, if you like showed the pictures to my wife and she said, why did you do that? But you know, the, the, the I thought the, the conditions were worked out great because we all had the proper equipment. You know, we all had rain gear and mm-hmm. layers of clothes and warm sleeping bag and, as I was leaving Cabela's before I left for the trip, just at the as I was checking out, there was uh, rubber gloves, insulated gloves, right at the counter, and I just grabbed them. Nice. And thank thank <laughs> God I did. I got yeah. very lucky. You know, I'd like to think I was smart, but I just got really lucky <laughs> because, uh, boy, that was cold. But you know, the fishing was great, and it only worked out because we were prepared. But then also, we were very prepared to make adjustments as we went you know uh, the fishing is totally different in that those conditions versus the sunny conditions that we've had you know in some previous trips mm-hmm.
1: so so how do you decide what you leave behind so you can fit
2: all those pounds of fish in your in your bags <laughs> <laughs> well just like when i mentioned in fly fishing when you're up in canada uh, you generally in the morning f- you fish, fish for walleye which are just incredible. Mm-hmm. And then you have shore lunch and you eat what's there, but then you you leave what you don't. So we generally don't take fish back. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> you generally can get fish, you know, the same walleye for less at Costco. So, you know, <laughs> good, good point. Good point. It's, it's just a thrill. And plus, if you lose your luggage at the airport, you could get those luggage back in a week with some really Oof. bad stinky fish.
1: Oh, so boy. Yeah, yeah. Bad you idea. don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah.
2: But in, like in terms of the techniques when we're up there, it's two people in a boat. One person's controlling the motor, trying to get you close to where the fish might be. The other one's standing at the top of the boat, big waves, sideways rain. So it, it was different for sure, uh, but we just had to completely adjust how we did everything. Um, but it all worked out. And the, the point is that we adapted on the fly and we had success. So we had a plan going in. But you really have to be adjustable and ready to change.
1: Yeah, and every business owner has to be, uh, you know, ready for change and and making adjustments here and there. So that that's absolutely foundational to anybody uh, getting into business.
2: Exactly, and you know, to use the example of the management team I referenced earlier, we've been doing this for about twenty a process for about twenty months with them, and we spent the time identifying the skills they had, creating a team. You know, we we added a CPA, the, the attorney that they had worked with was very good. So, you know, he was he still stayed on the team. The bankers really didn't have a fit. We introduced a number of investment bankers and private equity people. Then we basically came up with a plan. We decided, you know, in effect where we, we were gonna enter the, the river, and then we ended up talking to a number of different potential buyers. And what we found when we got to that level at that point was the marketplace had changed a bit. Uh, a lot of the assumptions we had made were no longer valid. The company itself had some unforeseen operation issues that were out of their control that affected some of the forecasts and pro formas. And mm-hmm. as a bottom line, there were really no buyers through that process that were a good fit. And we we're 18 months into the process. And, you know, the team was naturally a little bit uh, disappointed. But what what we stressed was that, you know, the process itself made everyone just so much more knowledgeable, so much mm-hmm. A better understanding asking the right questions but also we as a result of it we added what we call the family office market the marketplace right now is full of family offices basically people who have maybe converted their owners sold their own private businesses created a family office and rather than invest in retail investments they're looking to make strategic long-term investments in other closely held companies and with the family ho- family office business market they generally are much more long-term buyers, or they buy and hold. So as a result of this process, even though we didn't have success, we responded and we made changes, and we've pivoted, I guess, midstream to try and start going after that market. And we've had some success with some good leads um, as a result. So it's just an example of, you know, you create a plan, you create the team, but once you get in the river, the conditions change or the conditions aren't what you thought, and you need to be adaptive. Yeah, Absolutely. So one other point I want to make about this example is in addition to adding the family office as a market or potential buyers I wanted to stress how this team really needed a CFO and didn't have one. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the benefit of a strong chief financial officer or CFO. Companies with CFOs the some of the services they provide are things you might think of as, you know, administering the accounting process, creating accounting controls and reporting. But What they really do over and above that is give you the ability as a business owner or as a management team to get very timely and accurate financial data that you can adjust on the fly. Mm -hmm. Typically, they're very good at the modeling. So when you're trying to make adjustments, you can adjust those models quickly and you can pivot very quickly then also. In addition, a really good CFO is a planner. You know, we work directly with the planning items that they work on, things like in addition to managing cash flow, also creating tracking and monitoring for different investments that, that you've made, different projects like this. they are also interpreters. Oftentimes, everyone on the team has different skill sets, and some understand numbers better than others. A CFO is very good at interpreting and presenting numbers in a meaningful way without getting too you know, deep into the dive of it. Gotcha. Um, they're also very good analysts which is oftentimes something that's not on the team um, you know is a six percent rate of return on the investment good well if everyone else is making eight it's not if everyone else is making four it is so you know in addition to just analyzing market trends and analyzing the project they help you benchmark you know what are best practices and they put those best practices and benchmarks into the models and then finally i think a really good cfo can be a great navigator or almost a strategic growth coach because they look at the forest versus the trees Mm -hmm. and can really help you navigate, especially pivots like we made in this case. Gotcha. That makes sense. So in the first podcast, we talked about really creating your team to get all the skill sets you might need, doing the research up front so that when you're ready to start this process, you're ready to go. Mm -hmm. What I tried to stress in this podcast was being adaptable. So once you you know, approach the market, being ready to make changes and, you know, maximizing the team you have to make those changes quickly. And then what I'd like to cover in the next podcast is so at some point, hopefully, and the goal is to, you know, close the deal. So now that you have these prospects who might want to buy or merge or tuck in with your company, how do you close that deal and how do you select the the one that's gonna be a proper cultural fit? So I'd like to cover that at the next the next podcast.
1: Yeah, that'd be great. Sounds fantastic. Are there any specifics within that that you want to really highlight for our
2: listeners? I think the the specifics are if you do the first two steps up front properly, you're going to get a lot of buyers, a lot of opportunities, and you really need to be very selective and don't be afraid to be a runaway bride and, nice. and step yep. back if it doesn't if you just don't feel like it's the right mix, right fit.
1: Yeah. It, what it sounds like is, uh, I know they don't normally stock rivers, but it sounds like we're trying to stock the river.
2: Exactly. You know, I, I tell my nieces and nephews, you know, when they're out on a date, I said, you don't even have to finish the lunch. You can walk away. So, you know, <laughs> it, if, if you're you're going to get a lot of leads, a lot of people calling, a lot of people asking, and you really don't have to entertain all the offers you need, you can be and should be very selective. Yeah,
1: absolutely. That's going to bring the best prize. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm excited about that, Tim. It sounds like we're going to have a great podcast next time. Uh, Do you have any closing thoughts for us today?
2: No. The only thing I would say is if you're a business owner, um, it's never too early to plan. It's never too early to think about your exit. It's never too early to think about your stream, about your future. And contact me, contact someone on my team. Check out our website for resources you can download. We would love to work with you.
1: Fantastic. Thank you for listening to today's Wealth Stream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click on the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device, which makes it so much easier to share this with friends or family. Um, as business owners, I know you guys are running around in circles with other business owners, and you guys talk about this stuff because I'm a business owner and I've talked about it with my team. Share it with them so they get this information and they tune in. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at The WealthStream Podcast, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to The Wealth Stream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors LLC.